everyone, and welcome to the Inner Crime Ministries podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us, and we hope today's episode inspires you to become more in love with Jesus. To learn more about Inner Cry, who we are, and what we do, visit our website at www.innercry.org. Thanks for listening. Lots going on in the spirit in our community. Should, if you're praying and you're fasting like we are as a community, it should be a lot going on. And in the last week, we have definitely seen that in multiple ways. But definitely the the veil is being pulled back to the things that are happening to our society. In this hour, if we're not clear, if there's a mixture in us, the voices and the agendas are so loud that it brings confusion, tearing down the walls of discernment and guarding your heart. And if it tears down the walls that are instructed by God, with how you're designed. If enough confusion comes in, it completes the destruction and division within your own soul. And I meet with people sometimes who are so fractured that I'm like, I don't know how you can come back together. Not because God doesn't heal the broken, but because they're so confused that they can't believe the truth anymore. They can't see it. All they want to see is what they believe now. And the pain is so great from their confusion in their truth that they are still unwilling to humble themselves and say, this is horrible. This is not the way I was designed. I need to start all over with a white board and ask God to write the truth on it and get rid of all my opinions, all my perspectives, and every voice speaking into me and say, okay, God, I'm willing for you to write on my board what the truth is. And... We need to run with God, but it's time for us to stop and do this and say, there's some areas in my life that are out of order, and the only reason they're out of order is because we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Not relative truth, the truth. And the areas in my life that are out of order are the areas in which I am believing lies as to be truths and truths to be lies. So I want to ask your permission tonight. If you're living in a lie, will you let me tell you the truth? Will you give yourself permission to be offended if you're believing a lie? 
Last week, I said that you need to give yourself permission to feel. Now, that doesn't mean that you should live in your feelings. There are just certain feelings we're terrified of. So we would rather live in a lie than face the feelings that come with the truth. So I was kind of embarking on this last week by the Spirit of God to say to each one of us, maybe the reason the lie is so strongly got you bound is that you're afraid of what's on the other side. And so I asked you last week, give yourself permission to feel whatever's on the other side. Because God's big enough. And I said that hope starts in the hopeless place because the only hope is God. And the places where we have our hope entrenched outside of God, I would hope that those things would dissolve or be exposed for what they are. And that I would find out what I'm putting my hope in that is not Jesus. And that I would be willing to let God or those who I love and trust in my community to offend those places that I've hooked my heart around and not guarded my emotions. If I give my affections to things that are not truths, it is very easy for my affections to make me feel like that I'm hearing the truth. I'm going to say that again. This is how the heart is so wicked. If certain emotions arise in me because of something that I hear that is not the truth, if I give my emotions over to that information or that person or that thing without discerning what it is before I do, and if it's deceptive or if it's a lie or if it's destruction, once I give myself over to it without setting up boundaries, as I'm giving it over, I convince myself this is good. And this is right. And eventually, this is true. Why? You can always surround yourself with people that affirm what you're feeling. But it's hard to surround yourself with people who accept the raw truth. One time, years ago, I was reading something about truth. And this was so good because it was, I was always late. And I'm sure none of you believe that, but I was. And when I was younger, I used to say, hey, I was caught in traffic. Sorry about that. And I will never forget reading this one time. He said, that's truth. It's not a lie. But it's truth that works in your favor. What is the whole truth? The whole truth is, is that I left the house late also. And to say to the person, I was late, not because the traffic, although that was also making me late, but I left the house late. And then let the chips of truth fall wherever they may on my life. It's hard for us to stay in that place. Human nature is, I'll wiggle out from under that one. 
So you have to constantly keep yourself in check. We have to constantly be in a place where I'm willing to let truth say what it wants. Truth is not relative. There's only one truth. And we know this by science. Most of you in this room would like to deny the fact that we can't fly. And when I was nine, I hated that idea. Because I would put a towel around my neck and try to fly off of the roof of our lower part of the house in the back. And there was no fly, but in my imagination, man, for just about a tenth of a second, my arms were out like Superman. But the truth is that physics made me hit the ground and I had to roll like, you know, they teach you how to hit and roll. Life sometimes is the opposite. We find ourselves living in a world where people go, no, I can fly because I believe it. And you're like, no, you can't. But we're living in a world right now where people look at each other and go, oh, no, I have the ability to fly. And they say it enough, and they get enough of them to say it with them that we start going, is there something wrong with me? You can't fly. Oh, no. Who says I can't fly? And so we are in an hour where it is hard because of that kind of agenda to be in the whole truth where it has its way even in me. We know this is a reality that when you get offended or someone else gets offended, in that situation, have you ever noticed there's what you think happened, there's what they think happened, and then there's the truth. And if you're brave enough to step into it humbly, you'll find that out every single time. Sure. Someone in the conversation might have been 99% and you were 0.0001%. But guess what that 0.001% is? It's yours. So, until we're able to say, you know what? Instead of looking at you and what you did to me or what life did to me, maybe I should look at my response to everything. Maybe I should surround myself with people that I trust over time because I know that if I don't, somewhere along the line, I'm going to believe a lie. And it's so important for people who love me, especially my wife, to bring that truth to me. But to have people around you that you can trust, that will love you and tell you the whole truth, the brutal truth, in a loving way, requires that you build friendships and relationships and you go through the humdrum and the difficulty of pushing for the relationships in your life that God has given you. Now, I'm going, did you hear me say God's given you? What we've done in the last 20 years, I was in the beginning of this at Willow Creek. How many of you know Willow Creek? You heard of Willow Creek Church? Yes. When Willow Creek came out, it filled up a building and then they had to build another one. And then, I mean, they, they were one of the first mega churches back 20, 25 years ago. And their central focus 
was targeting unchurched people, and they built their services around it. Brilliant. I'm just telling you the guy was brilliant. Um, he made it a point to hang out with about six guys doing sailing at least once a week, and none of them were believers. And at that time, the church had become this kind of bubble. We weren't evangelizing. We weren't really, as a general whole, please, not a, you know, as a general whole, I remember it. We were kind of stuck in this bubble as a church, particularly the charismatics. And it just seemed like we were just us. And there was really not a lot of evangelism going on. And the ones who were doing it, they stuck out like a sore thumb. And we all went to their conferences and took notes and went home and still didn't do it. So what happened was, is they gave us a way in our busy lives to actually invite the world into the church. It was brilliant. But God, what happened in that process is something got lost. Number one, everybody saw that Willow Creek was doing it right, and they all began to market it and develop it into a pattern. How many of you know God doesn't need our patterns? And what really happened was, is we began to cater to the lost instead of catering to the kingdom and to Jesus. Our services were centered around building unbelievers and unchurched people into the kingdom. And there's only one way into the kingdom of God, to be born again. And we were appealing to their nature and to their needs, which is servant. And it is a washing of people's feet, so it was a really good deal as, it regard, as regards to Willow Creek. But like everything else, when we go and imitate somebody else, instead of asking God for his plan for our ministry and our lives and our calling and our journey in advancing the kingdom of God, what happened was, is the more it got reproduced, the stranger it became. Before long, we were church-centered because everything was about that machine working so perfectly. And brilliant minds brought about the best churches man could ever attend. God's bringing us back to him. All of us. Every church that's even centered around that is making its way back. Some are so structured so hard in that old way that it's a slow crawl. And others who are not moving are dying or corrupt and falling apart. Why? Because Jesus is making us Jesus-centered, which is what it's about. Jesus only spoke of the church twice, but he said the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven so many times because it's about the kingdom of God, who is Jesus. And so where we are right now as a church is we're already seeing how much more healthy it is to just focus on Jesus and he'll do the rest. Amen? 
Here's where the dilemma comes in you having to move from where we are and what we've been churched, churched in and not grown into the kingdom is that we have to move into a place where we're not looking for somebody at the church to serve us, but we're looking to find our place in the family of God. Now, listen. I'm, I'm, if the stone hits you, I'm sorry. But please don't take offense if you are not that person, okay? Hopefully, remember I asked you for permission earlier. If the truth pelts you on the side of the head, listen. Let it offend some places in your soul. Tonight I want you to ask your soul, are you aligned with just Jesus? Or are you aligned with other things that surround Jesus? When you walk into a church and you're looking to see how friendly everyone is, and if they're not, you walk out, you've already been conditioned in the old way, the way of the 90s and the 2000s. God has ordained you to be part of a specific family of God. He's ordained you. He's written in your book who you are supposed to bring into the kingdom, who you are supposed to love and nurture, who are you are supposed to disciple so that they and mentor so that they grow into a healthy, mature believer. Each one of you in this room, not one person is not in your book written people who are destined to be yours. How do we know that? Again, back to Jesus, the living example when he was here. I kept those you gave me. He said that to the Father. Minus the son of perdition. That means he, the 11 men were given to him by the Father. You must first find a family that God has ordained you to be in in this hour. Why? Because in this hour, in 2023, you need to be right where God has called you. And that's not where all the motorcycle gang that you hang out with goes. That's not where your Parcheesi team is. I thought that was funny because I don't do Parcheesi. I never did. I'm just sorry. That was funny. It's not in the place where you can find people who are like you. See, we built all those churches on that. Like, find you a group of this that y'all all do the same thing and y'all go do that together. And then all of a sudden, you're in a group of people and it seems so right. And two years later, you hate everybody in the group and they hate you. And you're not in church anymore because something that happened in that group. Oh my gosh, I, could, I, like, I have more stories of that. There's probably people in this room I just hit with a rock. That's exactly what happened to you. So God's calling us out of that place and he's saying to you, you're the steward of your journey. You're the one who's called to uh, define what God is actually saying to you. And listen, would it be crazy if you walked through the door and not anyone said hi to you, but God said, this is where I've called you. Well, then you know what's up. You're going to have to get to work. 
You've got to get in there, earn the trust of the community, and start serving and ask, can I be the greeter? Instead of, well, these people aren't friendly. I'm out of here. What that says is, I'm coming somewhere for them to serve me instead of me serving God. You notice I didn't say serve them? Serving God. Listen, this is killing our pastors. Because it all turns up to the senior pastor and his wife creating a wonderful world of Disney every Sunday that you all feel so wonderful in. But don't go away changed. You see, the problem is, is our own hearts about the kingdom of God. We want church. We don't even know it. Yet we're extremely offended with church right now, as it is. And so we're miserable, circling the wagons, trying to find a place to light. I see it. People come in here all the time, three or four, five, six weeks. They get frustrated and leave because they don't know what in the world is this. I don't even get what they are or who they are. Are they a church? Really? Y'all can't even get your website right. You're the table. You're a church. What are you? <laughs> Isn't that funny? See, we're in a place right now where we're all trying to find that. And the deal that keeps us circling the wagons is we're looking for the emotional thing because we were trained in that. Notice I'm circling back to that emotions and boundaries. We were trained in the feel good, smell good, look good instead of God, you said. Doesn't matter what I feel. Doesn't matter what I see. Doesn't matter what I smell. It matters what God says. Poor baby. That's how people actually feel when they go somewhere. <laughs> Sorry. I just had to use that. But listen, I'm just going to say to you, there's nothing worse than moving to a community, which we've done a couple of times, and go to the community and everyone goes, oh, this is the best church right here. Go there. And we go and it's beautiful. It's just everything but we leave there and we're no different. We had no encounter with Jesus. The worship was incredibly just perfect. The message was so good, but it was centered around me being a good person, a better Christian, a better husband, a better mother, a better family member, forgiving others, learning what it means to be kind and gentle. It's only one that's perfect, and that's Jesus. So if we center around who he is, everything just changes in me. You know why? Because we're his bride. And when a bride submits to her bridegroom, she becomes just like him. Hello? And so here we are as a church, and I don't speak about this building, 
I'm talking about the body of Christ, that our flesh is miserable, but our spirit is hungry. Does anyone feel that right now? Yeah, and that, that's good that some people are being honest and raising their hand. The rest of you are like, I don't want to raise my hand. Yeah, I'm good. Here's the problem with us being able to get to the other side. I have to take control of my journey. I can't blame somebody from 20 years ago or my mother or my father or all those who were in church before. Now some of you in this room are like, oh, I'm not, I'm moved on, even though they did this, this, and this, and that. But are you just as fervent for the Lord as you was before all that? You see, you gotta shuck all that off, get healed. And let me, tra- let me just tell you this, if you're not healed from the past, trust me, you're hurting somebody in the present. I'll say it again. If you're not healed from the past, trust me when I say you are hurting someone in the present. So that should motivate you as a servant of the Lord to chase down the wounds in your life and get healed. I told you I was going to say some, some tough stuff tonight. But don't we need to hear it? Yes. Papa needs to speak to us, don't he? And we always, like, when dad, when dad used to speak, it was, it was a little tough. But afterwards, I, I just seemed to be re-centered. Like, my sons, I would come home, and when they were all little, by the way, and one of them would just be all over the place, and she'd say, you need to take that one. Because <laughs> we had an order, like, there were five, so it was like, you need to spend time with this, and then you go to that one. And then, but I would come in the door, and she'd have that look like, He's yours. And I'd be like, okay, I got him, I got him. Time with dad would slow him down and bring him back to center. Time hearing the father's truths of our lives brings us down and back to center. I'm going to challenge everyone in this room to change your prayer life to God who have you called me to be with. Not, all right, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? Why hasn't anyone in the church asked me to help? I don't understand my role. What is my role in this church, Brodon? What is my title? What does that mean? How am I supposed to be in this church? Listen, I'm all for us doing something that serves each other. But we have to change our heart towards that. Because we could put this real beautiful mechanism of service together. And we're going to do that, by the way. That's where we're heading. So this service is kind of the beginning of the teachings that I'm going to bring to us. That as we move forward and we get some things well-oiled, so to speak, because people are volunteering and taking roles, that we first decide this is where God has called me to serve. And that it is not about me serving Brodon or Krista. Because if you've been on the inner circle of our leadership, one thing you will learn is this is not the Brodon or the Krista show. 
nor is this our ministry. If God told me and Krista to leave tomorrow and give it to somebody else right now, we would look at everyone and go, bye. That's how we have been on a sojourn. Before we came here, God stripped all of that away. So I have no agenda other than his. Do I pick up agendas from my personal life? Sometimes, yes. But as it relates to the role of this ministry, I am open-handed with where it's supposed to go. Which means that everyone here, if you're going to be a part of this community and serve it, you're first going to have to have the heart that is ready to do so based on your call to this community. Now I'm going to circle back. Having people around me to speak the truth over me requires first for me to do that, what I just said. If you're called to a community, there's people in it that are designed and equipped to be right alongside you in this season of your life. Will you be here forever? Maybe not. But there are exactly the right number of gifts and personalities that are in this body that if you're called here, they're raised up by God for this season in your life to love you. What do I mean by that? There's nothing greater than the relationships Kristen and I've had in the past. I saw Jason Upton today. Jason was my best friend for three years. We lived together. Literally, he lived above me and Krista. And Jason and I, when he would every day come down and be in my home, or I would be in his home, or Krista and I would be in their home, we had the strongest small community. It was beautiful. And we could say anything to each other. And there was only one time Jay sought out to rebuke me. And we'd been together and friends since 96. And in 2005, I went up to Wisconsin to spend a week with him. And we were walking along and he just spun around and he just rebuked me. And it was like a bomb going off in me because I knew that he loved me with all of his heart. And for him to say that, it was God. And the way he said it, it was God. Knowing him and knowing his heart, he did not want to say it. He's 10 years, 11 years my younger. But it was from God. And I'm standing here in front of you today because I heeded that message. Or otherwise, I would be camped out somewhere else selling my latest CDs. But instead, I'm here with you with my hands open before the Lord. I needed that kind of love. But that doesn't mean people speak into my life all the time. It just means when I need someone to speak, they have permission. It's for me, not for them, or anyone to rule over my life, but someone to love me. Not to tell me what to do either. Because he didn't tell me what to do. He called out a place in me that I was believing a lie about myself. When I corrected it, it changed my course. Every one of us here in this room have to, and it takes work, let me just tell you, because people are people. 
And you got to push through that. The inner circle that we have here that's men and women who love each other, we've been, some of us, Kathy and me and Craig and Krista have been walking together for seven years. Listen, before that, when we lived here before, I walked with them for like three years. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves and sometimes things are missaid or misunderstood and guess what? We have to extend ourselves in love and faith and humility and I have to forgive if something's been done that wasn't right or I perceived that it wasn't right. I was in the stands at Shade's. By the way, Shade won the Baldwin County Wrestling at 132 pounds. Come on. I mean, y'all should see this guy wrestle. It's, it's poetry in motion. So, um, but I'm there, and I'm up on the top row, and there's a woman sitting in front of me, and she's away from the Lord. So, man, and that morning, God had spoken to her for the first time in years, and then here I am, pastor, sitting right behind her. So we spent about an hour and a half waiting on him, and I just, she just opened her whole life up to me. And then she heard we were married for 31 years. And she looked at me and she goes, how in the world, five kids in 31 years, what's the secret? And I said, humility. I love people saying, oh, we just try to keep a romance going. Who said that? <laughs> Don't say that. The romance is a result of that. Humility. Because sometimes the pride is what causes you to say that's it. And there never is a that's it in a marriage. Because even after divorce, that's not it. It's still not over. The pain the difficulty to overcome the divorce is profoundly painful. And you will never be the same afterwards. The fracture it causes in our soul to be divorced. It's so tough. It's so tough. It is much easier to humble yourself and forgive or humble yourself and ask for forgiveness than to say, that's it. And buddy, let me tell you, I'm glad I've humbled myself because it's so worth it. Isn't she beautiful? I'm like, wow, I'm 61. It looks like I married a teenager. <laughs> so she just keeps getting younger and I keep getting old. So, but, but I, but I want to say this over you. That's what it is. When you get in a community and you have to humble yourself with real people, and we're all real people, I don't care what community you come into, where, oh, we're all so holy. This is such a great community. You're living in a lie if you believe that. <laughs> There's no community like that. If you've joined one and you think you have, you need to leave because you've just ruined it. Because <laughs> we're all broken. And what makes us whole is each other. 
that as we find Jesus in the other person or the other person draws out the Jesus in us, glory to glory as we see Jesus in one another. Remember, it's about Jesus, not people. As I see Jesus in you or I see the place in you that needs to be more like Jesus and I draw you out by love because we know each other and we can go to those places is when you grow into maturity. It's not by sitting in your room and reading the word and being all alone all the time. And I don't need a church. If that's you, you need healing. You're running from healing. And you need a family that sees your idiosyncrasies, your stupidity, your selfishness. Mine's on display for all of you to see. <laughs> Do you know how humbling that is? It's scary. Why? Because when I look at myself, I cannot see how I can lead. And yet I'm saying yes. And that's your role, is to do the same. Stop looking for someone or some place to fix your problems. Start looking to see how you can roll up your sleeves and love. Because in the process, you will be loved and you will grow. People will come around you and love who you are for what you are in Christ, not for what you do. And it will heal those places where your parents really messed up and did not love you well. You'd be surprised how much gets healed just getting in community and not looking for a small group that gives you a Bible study but maybe looking for a way to love people. See, that's that old training. Well, I love this church. What kind of Bible studies do you have for us? Where is your community in this church? The Spirit of God will tell you exactly who your community is. Krista told me today that it was someone in our community who was looking for some healing. And Krista she came to Krista and said, look, I just need to go through this healing process and I have the curriculum for it. Krista handed her off to someone, Joanna, and I just found out they spent eight or nine a month going through that curriculum and she's on the other side of it. So she pursued healing. She got her own curriculum and she brought it to leadership and said, who can help me get to the other side of this? Boy, that's taking ownership of your life. Now, is it my job to serve and to look for those opportunities to love and serve? Yes, it is. But unless we both have the same heart, it gets weird. Unless you have the same servant mentality that I do, it's one-sided. And then you're looking for a mechanism to fit into and have purpose instead of looking for your place in the kingdom. Half of you are going to leave and never come back after this, right? That's another thing. And here's my last thing to say over that. Oh, we're way late. Sorry. If we learn to each take ownership of our journey 
and look for what God is saying to us to love and serve others. If we all did that, if everyone who knew the Lord well and who had the Holy Spirit and they knew how to operate in the Holy Spirit, if we all took that kind of ownership of truth and the authority of our lives, the world would be changed in a few months. The whole world. Because we'd be loving each other like Jesus did. Because that's what it says. Jesus asked, he prayed this prayer over the church to the Father in John 17. Go back and read it. Father, that you would give them the love that you have for me and that they would love one another so that the world would know that you love the world the same way that you love me. So if we learn to fall in love with Jesus and love the love in Jesus and others, and love others into the love of Jesus, the whole world would be changed like that. Building organizations, having crusades. Those are all great opportunities. But we're doing those all the time and the world still is a big mess. Jesus changed the world with 11 men and a handful of women who are so faithful and powerful. If we could just say that today, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to take ownership of my life. I would ask you tonight, just, just close your eyes, and I'm gonna ask you not to say something to the Lord. I'm gonna, not with your mouth, but just in your inner man, I want you to think about your soul and tonight your spirit man is with me right now. We're all together as one. Spirit has brought you into the spiritual place. And your spirit man is attentive. In these moments, in the future, in tonight, I want you to say this thing to your soul. Soul, why are you not taking authority over your life? What are you afraid of? And who are you waiting on? Rise up, O oh soul, and stand for God. Second, now I want you to do this for me. I want us to pray this prayer. And I want us to pray very specifically that in 2023, I'm going to pursue these relationships that God has ordained for me. When Krista and I met, God said, she's your wife. When times got hard, I reminded God she was my wife and that he told me so. And when times got to the point where I thought maybe I couldn't do it because we just couldn't get over to the hump, I remember that God said, that's your wife. Tonight, what I'm asking you to do is pray this prayer so that when God gives you faces and names of people to pour your community into, to pour your life into, to pursue as a relationship, that when things kind of go sour, and they will, you can say, no, the Lord has called me to these people, and we're going to work it out, because God said. So tonight, let's pray. Dear Jesus, 
forgive me for following my opinions and my emotions, for following my offenses and living in sin, selfishness, and hurt. It's time for me to become part of the family of God. It's time for me to pick up my servant towel and my bowl to wash people's feet and God show me who they are. Show me my family. Show me my future and who I will love so that I can be a good steward and not pour my energy into useless things that waste my emotion and my time. Help me, Lord, to be strategic in loving others. Give me the voice of heaven and show me the way. I commit to praying for my relationships and the people you have called me to. To love, to be loved by, and to serve. <laughs> oh, I just got so much joy. <laughs> Dear Lord Jesus, I pray over this precious people and the church abroad that you would transform our hearts, that we would learn to hear you and move without hesitation. If you obey me, it's because you love me. If you hear me, it's because you are my bride, because you know my voice. So tonight, I thank you that we have ears to hear and eyes to see because we have repented of the sins that have kept us from hearing and seeing. Thank you, Lord, for transforming our hearts. Let us shine, Lord. Let the church, the bride, advance the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here at Intercry, we're a home of grace, a mission base, and a house of prayer. If you'd like to support what God is doing here in our community and all over the world and this podcast, you can give on our website at intercry.org give. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.